It's Tuesday, May 17th, and this is Goodwill Talk Daily. It's great to be with you again today. Welcome back to Goodwill Talk Daily. We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at a vice list or a sin list. And what's interesting when we slow down and look at these lists is that they expose some of the wickedness in our own hearts. And that can be uncomfortable. It can be painful. And we can respond to that pain sometimes with offense. We can feel offended when a a sin in our own lives is highlighted by the scriptures. Offense, when we're talking about a particular sin, is a warning sign to us. It is actually really helpful. It is a guardrail. It is something that says, hey, this might be you. If we're talking about a particular sin and you feel yourself offended by it, then what that offense is, is your conscience. It is perhaps even the Holy Spirit who is proking you and prodding you and your flesh is inflamed to try and protect that particular sin. And so, If you're listening along through these next few days and we're talking about sins and you're going, hey, 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 that's not okay. Well, then just interrogate that for a second. Investigate it and ask, is this something that Pastor Marcos is saying that's wrong? Or is this a sin that I need to deal with in my own life? Now, I completely agree. It could be me. I am a sinner and I am myself uh, imperfect and, and not perfect in my words. And I can, I can say the wrong thing at the wrong time. It could entirely be me. But it may also be something the Holy Spirit is working on in our lives that we need help with. So, when you are offended, because we're all going to be offended at some point, aren't we? Lean into that and ask the Holy Spirit if this is a sign that there's something for me to work on. Yesterday we looked at lovers of self as opposed to lovers of God. Now we're going to look at the next in this list. I'm going to read the whole list every time. It's going to be a little bit, uh, it might feel redundant over a couple weeks, but that's okay. We want the scriptures to be what we hear and that is carving away at us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Today we're highlighting the second in this list, Lovers of money. This is a sin that I I think many of us are prone to. Lovers of money can often be used to point in a singular direction. It can be used to point at the uber rich. And we can say, look at those rich people. They are lovers of money. Perhaps they are. I don't know. I don't know their hearts. I do know that there is a parable that Jesus teaches. There's a parable of a man who has a 
Uh, he has a barn filled with his riches, and he has so much that he builds a second barn that he might continue to, to grow in his riches. And Jesus calls him a fool and says that that day his life would be taken from him. And an open question, well, then what will happen to that person's riches? What will happen to his riches? There is a love of money that is demonstrated by the hoarding of resources. It is, it is a desire to have as much as possible for yourself. It is the opposite of a love of giving. A love of giving is the way of Christ. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is the way of Jesus, to give away for others, to give more than it is to receive. But I think it's unfair to say that a, 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 a sin in a list like this is only something that can be perpetrated by the very rich. It, while the very rich may have a particular uh, temptation towards this, I think it's also a temptation for all of us. Here's how I think it shows up in the majority of our lives. I think this is how it might even show up in my life. If only I had enough money, then I'd be able to do X, Y, Z. If only I had enough money, then I would be content. I need to get to a certain level of financial security, and then I will feel content. The pursuit of financial security above all else is evidence being a lover of money. Now, this is very, very hard because it's countercultural. We've been told that financial security is one of the zeniths of American existence. If you reach financial security, you've made it. You have attained the American dream. But think about the way that that is framed. If I am financially secure, then I am secure. Where is God in that? Where is the joy of giving to others in that? Some would say, well, if I'm financially secure, it makes me able to give. But when Jesus was sitting in the temple and saw a widow come and give her two mites, he does not say, oh my goodness, imagine how much more she'd be able to give if she was financially secure. No, he says, look, this widow gave all that she could and it is considered blessed in the kingdom of God. She is considered blessed in the kingdom of God. A willingness to give no matter the financial circumstances is what God blesses and is blessed by. Financial security may be one of the great American idols that we must face. A Western idol. It is not just unique to the United States, but that's our context, right? It's something that we have to be aware of. Financial security is not bad in and of itself, but when the pursuit of financial security at the expense of being willing to give to those who need the help, that is when it becomes a sin. And this is something that, that can be a problem for us no matter what, our socioeconomic tax bracket. The poor can be just as much guilty of the sin of being lovers of money as the rich. The pursuit of financial wealth, or the, rather, expectation that financial wealth is what will bring us salvation through physical comforts, that is the sin. So if you are poor, 
Do not pursue money as the means to comfort. Pursue Christ as your only comfort in life and death. If you're middle class and you're really, really trying to set yourself up well financially, do not expect that financial security, do not love money as the thing that will bring you comfort. But find the only comfort in life and in death, Jesus Christ. If you are rich, imagine what you could do with those riches. Do not allow financial um financial concerns to keep you from using your wealth for the good of others and for the growth of the kingdom of God. Do not take comfort in your riches. Do not take pleasure in your riches above Christ. You see, it is about the love of money above God that that's the problem. Money in and of itself is a neutral thing. It is how we use it to the glory of God. If he has given you much, use it for the glory of God. If he has given you only some, use it for the glory of God. As if he has given you little, use it for the glory of God. That he might be glorified no matter where we happen to be financially. Let's pray together. Father, all that we have is from your hand. And I pray that we would not try to claim more by illegal or unethical means. I pray that we would not try and find our security or our comfort in our financial status. I pray that we would not idolize money because we have so little. But Lord, would we rather see you, see you as the one who gives us security, see you as the one who gives us comfort. And would we, out of the comfort and security we have in Christ, be givers? Would we love to give to those in need? Would that be the opposite that we are pursuing? Not lovers of money, but lovers of giving that you might receive all the glory and honor. Thank you for loving us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you again tomorrow here at Goodwill Talk Daily.